HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Elena Santigade, and listeners, today I'm going to start with a little personal anecdote. So I was born and raised mostly in New York City. Uh, Then my family moved to Michigan and then North Carolina for a brief stint. And throughout that flux, our family had one constant, the state of Wisconsin. My dad is from the Northwoods, and I spent nearly every non-school moment there as a kid. So not a huge surprise that I have an enduring passion for cheese, right? Um, So if you know Wisconsin, then you know Roth cheese. Roth cheese has been a long-running history of both importing and producing cheese. And I'm really glad to have Rob Fry, Director of Operations, calling in directly from America's Dairyland today. Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to chat on air. You're welcome. Good to be here. So first off, let's talk cheese. For, uh, you know, here in New York, we do get some Roth cheeses, but I know that, you know, we have listeners from not only all over the U.S., but actually all over the world, including a big contingency in Japan, which is pretty amazing. So in terms of the cheeses that you guys are making and and selling at Roth, uh you know, from my take on it, you've got the Grand Cru, which is Alpine style. We have the Private Reserve, which is also an Alpine style cheese. Grand Queso is one of my personal favorites, I have to say. And then I also love the Buttermilk Blue. So what am I ri- missing? Those are, those are my, uh, my faves there. But do you want to tell us a little bit about um, the selection that you guys are producing these days at Roth? Yeah, so we have... Um Quite a bit of a selection. Uh, we do somewhere between 15 to 20 different uh, recipes and formats. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely Grand Queso is a favorite of mine. 
so good. Um, Listeners, if you haven't had the Grand Queso, it's um, hand-rubbed with cinnamon and paprika. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. And it's got this basket weave. It's just really gorgeous, and oh, Mm -hmm. it's delicious. Yeah, a lot of the um, cellar cheeses that we have, uh, Roth Private Reserved, um, which is aged about a minimum of eight months. And then, of course, our... Uh, grand champion world cheese contest, the uh, Brown Cru Sirois, mm-hmm. is also a favorite of mine. I just had some of that in, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's aged a minimum of nine months, and um, there's just a lot of uh, things and care that go into having that product uh, turn out after nine months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. just such a complex flavor with that one. I mean really classic Alpine style make. And is that one also, that's made in a copper vat. Do I have that right? Yep. Correct. So it's really super traditional in that sense. Um, and that is a pasteurized milk, but the private reserve is raw milk. Is that right? Yeah. It's a, what we call a heat treated product. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, aged, uh, in the state of Wisconsin, it's going to be aged for more than 60 days, which it's well beyond that. Right. Um, but it, it turns out it's a lot of the complexity, um, the earth tones, and um, umami flavors really come through in that product. Yeah, super savory. It's like a ramen broth cheese. <laughs> okay, so then um, buttermilk blue is—is is that? Do you guys are you making other blue cheeses these days? Or the the buttermilk for me is the the blue I lo- I could just eat by the spoonful, and I have. Yep, uh, the blue cheese is, is probably my favorite out of all the blues um, here in the states, and that's, that's something that's uh, like you said, it's just creamy, it uh, melts in your mouth, and goes really good on salads. Mm-hmm. And then you have sort of a a newcomer to the line. Am I right that uh, the soft ripened Monroe is kind of a, a newer cheese on the scene for you guys? Yeah, it was uh, something that we developed. Um, it's really a smaller format, mm-hmm. uh, about a two-pound wheel. And it's something that's uh, a washed rind. Um, it's only aged for about two to four weeks, and uh, the product uh, turns out really, really nice and creamy and has really kind of a mellow flavor to it, uh, but it's something that we're pretty proud of. So in terms of, you know, Wisconsin cheese, there aren't a huge, it's, it's a state that a lot of people I think associate with cheddars, of course. But for me, I tend to think of Wisconsin as, you know, you've got fresh cheese curds and you have longer aged cheeses like the, you know, the classics, the cheddars, and also, you know, with your Alpine style cheeses and, and, um, you know, longer aged in that sense as well. Uh, like soft ripened, smaller format cheeses aren't so prevalent in Wisconsin. So I was really excited to see that you guys had developed that one. What was your thinking behind that? You know, why why go in that direction? Well, I mean, basically from a washed rind category, um, we really want to own that category. And we have a lot of things that have a lot of age on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sit in the cellar for quite a while and they get taken care of. Um, but we really wanted something that was kind of a quicker maturing cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, soft rind uh, was something or a soft body cheese was something we were looking at for quite a while. Um, and we were able to develop 
this product, um, and I think I think it's going to go really well in our portfolio, and I, it's something that the customers are really going to enjoy. Yeah, I'm excited to try it. I haven't I haven't had any yet myself. And is it is it washed rind as well, or or is it more of a bloomy bloomy rind of cheese? No, it's a, it's a washed. It's rind washed. Cheese. Okay, um, got it. Yeah, yeah I got to check this out. Um, sounds delicious. So, what what else did it, did we miss? Any categories of what? What's going on these days at Roth Cheese? Well, we definitely do have our fresh cheeses, the uh, Fontinas and the Havartis, um, the Goudas. Uh, it's constantly ever-changing and developing depending on what the consumer and the customers are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's anywhere from, you know, like I said, the Havartis to the to the washering cheeses and now the Monroe cheeses coming out. So right. um, quite a variety. Yeah, it's a, it's fun. I, I'm sure it's fun for the cheesemakers and the staff also to have a variety of stuff to work with. You know, it's like exercising different muscles in a sense. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, all the styles that you listed for the most part all really do relate to the, you know, the origin story of Roth cheese, which I know having you know, spent so much time in Wisconsin. Uh, but I think a lot of our listeners might not fully know sort of the history of how Roth cheese first started in Switzerland and then, you know, came to the U S and, and eventually landed in Wisconsin. Um, can you, uh, paint that picture for us a little bit? Yeah. So the, the history of Roth case, um, started in Switzerland, mm-hmm. um, and in 1911, uh, Otto Roth moved to uh, America on the East Coast and was set up an Otto Roth and Company, mm-hmm. and this was a company that was receiving the imported cheeses from Switzerland and then selling them here in the States. Um, as time went on, uh, things changed, and it stayed in the family, but then in 2000, or in 1991, um, two brothers, uh, Ulrich and Felix Roth, um, decided that it was going to, uh, it would be wise to set up shop in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of importing the cheeses, actually import the technology and and the recipes from Europe. Hmm. Um, so along with their cousin, Fermo Jekyll, uh, they set up uh, here in Wisconsin because of the abundance of the, the good milk supply. Um, right. It resembled a lot of, uh, Nugler- of you know, Nuglaris was a place that a lot of the Swiss settlers settled, and the, and the region was very familiar to them with, um, it had the, uh, the essence of Switzerland. So it was kind of like home away from home. Right. And actually, it's the area of Wisconsin where you guys are making cheese is referred to as Little Switzerland. Am I, that's true, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, correct. It's uh, Green County, I believe. And is is Monroe, I assume Monroe, the cheese, is named after Monroe the town in the classic um, Yeah, and that's kind of, uh, you know, in 1847 is when Switzerland was um, founded from a large group of settlers from the canton of Glarus in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of grew from there. The tradition's been passed down from generation to generation with cheese making. Um, right. And uh, it just resembled a good, hearty tradition of the Swiss settlers here. Yeah. Yeah, and it really is a little community. There's also good skiing in Little Switzerland, as I know. 
It's like, uh, if folks, if you're traveling around the U.S., you can't quite make it to Switzerland, there is a little pocket of it there in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So then fast forwarding to modern day, um, you're now working with a co-op of dairy farmers, the Rolling Hills Dairy, right? Correct. And it seems like from, from what I understand and what I've um, read, it seems like uh, Roth cheese has really grown along as well as the, the dairy co-op that you're working with has grown. Like both, it seems like a really synergistic, is that even a word? I don't, I'm not sure, but a lot of synergy there in the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it started with about uh, 11 dairy farmers, um, and today it's up over 100 plus. Um, and as we've grown, they've grown. Uh, we've had a great partnership with them. And uh, I tell you, it starts, it starts with the high quality of milk and mm-hmm. how the farmers uh, treat their herds and take care of the herd, um, which makes great milk, which makes great cheese. Do you, um, now I know that the, the milk from the Rolling Hills Dairy is all sourced within 60 miles of where you're making cheese, which is pretty incredible. Um, and that also the average herd size of the farms is pretty small. Like, uh, the, if you think of the national average being at about 190 listeners for those who might want to gauge this, um, it seems like at Rolling Hills, would you say it's between 100 and 150? Yeah, it's still really relatively small yeah. um, to mid-size on the dairy farmers with the with the farms that we have within within that co-op. Um, so it's about you know 100 to 150 cows, um, probably second, third generation family farmers mm-hmm. um, that have just smaller herd size and you know not industrial size. Right, and um, you know I was I was actually wondering, thinking of the co-op growing, I was wondering like how much of that are first generation. I mean, first generation dairy farmers are a pretty small, that's a pretty small group these days in the U S. Um, so it sounds like it's, it's more of, uh, just dairy farmers from the area who have been brought into the co-op over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, good things that happen with the co-op. Um, they've been able to, um, manage the co-op in a way that uh, brings value added to the farm. Um, hmm. Just uh, the way that the customers and consumers want to know more about, uh, you know, farm to fork movement that's been happening and understanding where their where their cheese is coming. Right, and they're also doing liquid milk production. Like, if I if you're in Green County, are you finding Rolling Hills Dairy Milk in your local shop? Um, I think the Rolling Hills co-op, um, is pretty diversified. I mean, they have mm-hmm. a lot of customers besides us that, uh, they actually have their milk shed, uh, that they distribute to. Mm-hmm. Some of it may go into fresh milk. Some of it may go into yogurt. Um, but I think a good portion of it goes into the cheese industry. Got it. Very interesting. Okay. Um, Wow, that flew by, and we're actually going to take a quick break now. So, Rob, hang tight. Listeners, stay with us, and we'll be back in just a moment for more from Rob Fry of Roth Cheese. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. 
With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning Alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk, combined with expertise and affinage, is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Surchois was named World Champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm here with Rob Fry of Roth Kaza in Wisconsin. So, Rob, in the first half of our show, you know, we talked a lot about the history of Roth cheese and and sort of brought us up to speed in with to modern day and the, and the list of cheeses that you guys are producing now. Um, and one thing I'm really curious about, since you have been at Roth for how long? How long have you worked at Roth Cheese? Well, it's going on sixteen years. Sixteen now. years. That's amazing. That's, I you know, for a cheese professional in New York City, sixteen years at at one place is like completely foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very inspiring to hear that, and it's it's exciting because with that and with such a change in the cheese making sort of landscape in the U.S. over that amount of time, I, I'm really excited that I get to pick your brain here. So, um, you know, one thing I'm curious about is the cheesemaking community specific to Wisconsin. You know, you guys have uh, the Wisconsin Dairy Farmers and, you know, the former Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board uh, as this really unique into entity, it seems. And I'm curious to hear a bit about from your vantage point at Roth Cheese, what what that has meant to you and how you've sort of participated in those statewide efforts to promote um, cheesemakers around Wisconsin. Yeah, we do. Um, the, the cheese industry is kind of unique, I think, in that in that way that a lot of us are um, competitors in some way, shape, or form, but also. Uh, neighbors in the fact that we, we do help each other out. Um, mm-hmm. You run into an issue, you run into a problem. Um, everybody understands those challenges, um, and they're, they're, not, they're not afraid to help out their neighbor. Right. Yeah, I think that's a huge defining characteristic. Uh, you know, the sharing of knowledge and resources and, um, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, if like one cheese in the neighborhood has a smoker, then a competitor from down the road might even smoke their cheese at that facility. Sure. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And I, I think it's part of what makes the business so human in a way. And, and uh, you know, in other industries, when you're never really in front of your competitors face to face, it's definitely a different feeling, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting. And and there's another interesting component that's specific to Roth in that you are owned by Emmy, which is a larger company based in Switzerland. And that's sort of a, a newish development. Um, how does that work as a business model? You know, looking at exactly a, a partnership from European style recipes and a co-op owned company that it just made real good sense to to have this marriage um, with uh, it just it just really worked out really well because it was nothing that we had to learn right um, European recipes um, because we were already doing them and 
that dynamic has, has worked out well. And the co-op owned company, that's Emmy that you're referring to, right? Correct. So how does that work? What does that, what does that exactly mean? You know, it's, it's interesting because we've just, uh, somewhat recently had the folks from a small retail co-op, the Park Slope Food Co-op here in the studio. And I'm, I'm thinking a lot about cooperative businesses in general, just as the landscape seems to get tougher and tougher. So what is a, what does it mean for Emmy to be a, a cooperative business? Um, I think basically you're just looking at the stakeholders and the stakeholders are, you know, um, the dairy farmers of Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, marketing the milk and the company as a broad, um, just having a return on their investment and knowing that there's other markets in there from an international standpoint that 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 we can get into and um, and sell great cheese to, and that that right. I think it works out really well. Right. So you have the the recent example of Emmy acquiring also Cowgirl Creamery and then Lando Lakes uh, most recently acquiring Vermont Creamery. So I feel like at this year's American Cheese Society conference, there's going to be a lot of great discussion about, um, you know, these decisions from a financial point of view, from a sustainability, you know, business sustainability point of view. And it's, I'm curious sort of to get your take on the before and the after since you were with Roth before the partnership with Emmy, um, and then have, have stayed throughout. So, um, you know, like from your vantage point, what do you see as, uh, it sounds like it was a really natural alignment and from like sort of day to day business operations, do you see pros, cons, you know, things that the business had to get used to in Wisconsin? What's your take on it? Yeah, I think that early on in the Roth case days, um, we were, you know, looking at specialty cheeses in European. And in 1991, when they set up shop um, here in Wisconsin, most people were doing commodities. Um, right. So to get into a specialty uh, category and, and, you know, make products that are aligned with European recipes was kind of unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Then looking forward, and then Emmy comes into the picture, I think it really made a great uh, story from a standpoint that it was a natural alignment with the European recipes and the niche markets that we see in the state with the U.S. consumers, um, you know, strategically from looking at the goat uh, cheese industry Mm -hmm. and just aligning with some of those specialty things. um, I I think it was just a really good marriage, and I, I don't think it could have happened any better. Right. Um, so shifting gears a little bit to talk about you specifically and your, your experience and your roles within, um, you know, Roth cheese, I assume that you've had a few different roles over time. Um, so how has your, how have you developed in your position there at Roth cheese? How, how, how did you first start as part of the company? Yep. So I first started, uh, in, 2001, um, basically as a quality compliance officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, I became the plant manager here at the Monroe Manufacturing Facility. Okay. And did that until um, probably about five, six years ago, and then uh, became the plant manager at our new facility in Platteville, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then became director of operations a couple of years later. 
Got it. Uh, that's all led into just, um, you know, seeing this company grow from what it was, you know, 16 years ago to what it is today has been a reward. Yeah, I'm sure. And how, um, so you've added an additional plant and that are, is it two plants now that you guys are making cheese at? Yep. Two plants here in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a joint venture, uh, with a third plant. Got it. Very neat. And so, um, how many employees do you guys have at this point? Um, total, I think we have probably about 225 employees. All based in Wisconsin. Um, no, not all based in Wisconsin. Some okay. of them are from the East Coast, too, or the West Coast, sorry. Got it, got it. Cool. Um, so it's, you know, I was thinking about uh, your title and, and your position, the, the uniqueness of the vantage point that you have. Um, you know, we talk to a lot of sort of frontline retail staffers and cheesemakers here on Cutting the Curd, and I'm really excited to get the chance to sort of open up like more of a management perspective for our, those of our listeners who, well, cheese industry or not, who, you know, have been on those front, in those frontline sort of roles, but may never have, you know, worked in the back office, so to speak. Um, so I'm curious if you don't mind sort of shedding some light on like, what is your day to day like? Like, what does a director of operations do? I think a lot of our folks might, um, be really curious to hear about that and kind of maybe we can kick off a little visualization for some ambitious cheese folks. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think from a standpoint of a day-to-day operations, there's always um, small hurdles or challenges that you run into that in this position now as a director of operations, it's, it's definitely something that your role is to kind of align you know, the plants and uh, with the vision of the company and making sure that uh, we don't get too close-sighted about uh, losing sight of the vision and, right. you know, removing those roadblocks for for the frontline employees. Interesting. I like, um, you know, that sort of touches on an idea that I always love of, like, a servant leadership kind of idea of, like, how you can make your staff job, like, the the job of your frontline staff easier, more seamless, more, you know, smoother. Mm-hmm. And I think that usually winds up working out really well as a management approach. Definitely. So um, you mentioned, you know, I, I think there was a, a cool idea that a big part of even your day-to-day thinking is, is on the vision type level. Um, I think that one thing so many of us can get caught up in are like the minutiae, the little details of, you know, the little fires that we're all putting out all the time. And it can be hard to take that step back and, and really make sure that progress isn't happening just day to day, but also on the larger scale for like, are we moving forward as a business? Are we moving forward as a, as an industry? Um, it's really interesting to hear that. And so I'm curious if, if you don't mind sharing a little bit, like what, how would you define the, you know, Roth cheese vision, you know, medium term, short term? I'm not, what does vision even mean as you think of it? Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, future looking. Um, when you talk about vision, it's, um, I mean, our goal is to be the best specialty cheese producer uh, in the U.S. and in the world. And that's, 
that's, that's a tall great goal. Tale, big goal. <laughs> that's a big a, goal. That's a great goal to have, though. I mean, if it's like if we're all aiming that high, good things are definitely going to happen, right? Absolutely. Um, if you keep that in the forefront um, and on the day-to-day, filter that into decision-making that happens and, and ask yourselves, is this going to make us the best specialty um, cheese producer? Hmm. I, I, think, I think you'll stay aligned with that. Yeah, it's like a, a really it's a clear lens to look through in that sense, you know, of like, if you're looking through, if, if part, a big part of your job as director of operations is looking at the operations of the company through a lens of, is this helping us to achieve this one big overarching goal? It's an interesting, it's like a really different set of glasses there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it does come with challenges from time to time. But, yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, based on what the market's doing, what the customer's doing. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely it uh, keeps you aligned with, uh, you know, the vision. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. Really neat to hear about. I think, you know, at, at any sort of scale of business, that that totally applies. So very cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I can't believe it, but we're already coming up on our, almost to the end of our time together here. Um I have uh, I have one kind of fun question that I wanted to throw in here at the end because I've been reading a book called Miracle Mornings, and it's a really short book. It's I don't know if if you've heard of it or listeners if if you're curious, it's like a really quick read. But um, I'm dying to ask everybody I come across now what like their morning routine is, especially if they're successful, which I would definitely put the successful stamp on you, Rob. Um, and you, you seem to have like such great longevity at Roth and, um, you know, real handle on, on what you guys are doing. So do you mind telling us a little bit about your morning routine? Um, the morning routine usually starts with, uh, a cup of coffee. Nice. Black <laughs> and, or do you uh, have, uh, do you put a little cream and sugar in there? I do put a little cream and sugar in there. A little Rolling Hills dairy cream. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, and usually then you're checking, uh, you know, the top three things that you want to focus on for the day. Um, you know, I have a belief that if you check off, you can make a list of three things each day and, and accomplish that. By the end of the week, you've got 15 things accomplished. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, you know, usually check on the market, see what the market's doing with the cheese and the milk. And, um, and then by that time, it's, it, it's time to hit the ground running and you've started your day. Huh. I really like that idea of the three. It's like such a achievable number, you know, such a, a, a tangible and, and reasonable number of things that you could accomplish mm-hmm. in a day. Um, yep. And you're right. Like, you know, it's back to that idea of like little things really do add up. Absolutely. Very neat. Well, thanks for indulging me on that personal obsession I have now with everybody's morning routine. (laughs) I don't know if I'm quite ready to share mine. (laughs) Um, Wow. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob. It's we're out of time here, which I'm sad about, but uh, I hope to visit you in, in uh, uh, little Switzerland at some point soon on my next trip to Wisconsin. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. Well, great. Um, super fun to get to know you a bit more and really interesting to hear about that, you know, how Roth cheese has really grown over the years and 
um, just super fun to hear your take on it since you've been there through it all. So thanks for, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Elena Santigade, and we'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.